Are you ready to meet with God? I hope you are. I pray that you are. Take your Bibles, turn to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 10. Rooster's crowing, it's time for the preaching. <laughs> Acts chapter 10, and we'll be in verse 34. Acts 10, 34. The Bible says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of person. And there's a reason he's saying this at this point in time. Something's been revealed to him. Verse 35, But in every nation... He that feareth him and worketh in righteousness is accepted with him. God's not willing that any should perish, folks, that, but that all should come to repentance. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. I'll tell you what. Those that do not know Jesus Christ do not know peace. I know Jesus Christ, my personal Savior, this morning. I have struggles. I have troubles. I know peace. Verse 37, that word I say ye know, which was published throughout all Judea, began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with the power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Then we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before God, even to us, who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. Every head bowed and every eye closed. One more, one more attempt to just help us all focus our hearts to God this morning. We'll be here just a few minutes. You know I'm not long-winded. I preach on purpose. And I try to stay to my notes. When I get outside of my notes, I, I mess up. <laughs> but I want us to take opportunity to be with God. For he has chosen to be here to get today. Where two or three are gathered together my name. And that certainly includes us. He's here in our midst. But he doesn't just want to be here in the midst. He wants to be in the midst of your heart, your life. And he wants to do a work in you today. He's got something for each and every one of us to do. I pray that we be, build, be obedient to that. God, have your will and way in our hearts and lives. Direct the message as you see it to go. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, we're in the 10th chapter tonight. You come back, we'll be finishing up the 10th chapter. It's taken us about 50 messages to get this far. So... Uh, you know, we've got a few more message to, messages to go to get through the book of Acts. But I certainly have enjoyed the study. It's been dear to my heart. I've enjoyed remembering and rehearsing some of the things that we've read before. You know, Alice and I were talking about the Bible reading and how that the Bible reading is a good thing, but boy, it's just a means to get you in the book. Whether you read one verse or a hundred chapters a day, you need to be drinking and eating that word, consuming it and just finding out what God was doing and what he wants us to do in our heart and lives. We watched as the Savior ascended into heaven. We saw the, the Holy Spirit come and fell upon those in the upper room. So many different things. We saw the, oh, we saw the, the uh, 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 
the deacons, uh, the seven deacons were chosen. Stephen, we saw the lame man that would, had been lame since birth, and he was healed. And, and we're seeing all these things going on. We watched Philip as he went down to Samaria and how that when he left that land, that land was rejoicing. You know, that's when I see things like that, it makes me think that when I leave people that I've been around, they ought to be rejoicing. Not that I left. Well, I'm glad he's gone. But I'm glad that he came because the things that he said about God touched my heart. And it's now caused me to think. By the way, have you had a chance to be a witness and testimony this week? I pray that you have. I had an opportunity to sit down with one of the guys I do business with and we got talking about the Lord. And I looked at him and I said, Chris, I said, what is important is that you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that you know him as your savior. I could see the tears welling up in his eyes. He says, I've done that. I said, praise God, praise God. Now we're continuing on this last couple of weeks. We've been talking about Cornelius and we saw the sheet that was let down and God said, let nothing that I present before you be unclean. That's not unclean. And so this is a slow walk we're taking, a slow walk. And I rehearse a lot of these things with you because it helps me to remember, and maybe it helps you a little bit as well. But there's nothing like getting in the book and rereading some of the things we're talking about. Oh my, how many times I've been to class and, and they're in the class and, and you had an assignment to read and so you read through it and then the teacher comes in and goes through it again and you go, oh, that really makes it alive to me. I can see what they're talking about. I want you to put yourself every time we get in God's word and in the book of Acts here particularly, just act like you're one of the people right there. How many do that anyway? You're reading a story, a novel, or something else, and you're right there. I mean, you're not mentioned in the book, but you're right there. And that's what we should do here. Well, in verse 34 it says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth. Of a truth. Matter of fact, this is, this is factual, he's saying. I perceive that God is no respecter of person, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh in righteousness is accepted with him. Now, this was a revelation. This was a revelation to Peter. He had always thought that as a Jew, because he was a Jew, that they were the most favored nation. We're God's chosen people. You know? But now... He's understanding, since the letting down of that sheep, that there's none that are unclean that God, God would save. God would save. God had entered into a, a covenant relationship in the book of Genesis with Abraham. And he had said to, them, had said to Abraham, he said, I will bless thy seed and I'll make of thee a great nation. And that carried over into the New Testament. And God promises uh, to make good to Israel. And yet the individual Jew was a man like anyone else, needing a personal relationship with God. Old Testament Job needed a kinsman redeemer. Every man. And when I say man, I'm speaking editorially. I'm saying man, woman, boy, girl needs a savior. And Peter suddenly saw that a righteous, God-fearing Jew, well, guess what? A God-fearing Gentile was just as acceptable. Just as acceptable to God. There's no difference. There's no difference. And this was kind of the, the culmination of the letting down 
of the vision of the sheep. And it was paving a way for a total breakdown of that middle wall partition between the Jew and the Gentile. In verse 36, it says, The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. He is Lord of all. You know, as we go through the message, again, don't just listen to the words. God, what are you saying? Because you need to make an application. Actually, we need to allow God to make the application in our heart and life. We've got to be open to it. But Peter's sermon here seems to be a summary of the preaching of all the apostles. And apparently, Peter felt that his listeners, these uh, residents of Palestine, had some sort of general knowledge of what, of the story of Jesus. I mean, nobody could do the things that he did and not have it be published abroad. It went out. Did you hear what happened? Dear, did you hear what happened? Peter reminded the Gentile listeners that uh, the word here was originally sent to God to the children of Israel. And for thousands of years, God had spoken through the prophets exclusively to Israel. His last word had been sent to Israel. It was a word of peace, a word of peace. And now I've been brought down to earth in the, in the form of a baby. And this word became flesh and dwelt among us. God had translated deity somehow into humanity. He was all God, and yet he was all man. And God, Jesus, had come to bring great peace. Peter began by the directing his listeners to Christ, and that was the main point of his message, directing his listeners to Christ. I have to stop here and say, you know what? That should be my main point. By directing those that are around me, those listeners that God had put in my life, directing them to Christ. Are you taking that opportunity? You know, there's nothing greater you can do. Nothing greater you can do. You might have a hobby, building cars, uh, playing golf, I don't know, whatever, fill in the blank. But our main thrust should be pointing people to Jesus. Verse 37, it says, The word I say you know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. Which John preached. As Paul would later say to King Agrippa in chapter 26, 46, 26 he goes, uh, for the thing that was done, this thing was not done in a corner. This thing was not done in a corner. It was all out there for everybody to see. I think I look around and I think we have a lot of what we call uh, hidden disciples of Christ. And they are very quiet and they'll never speak up unless somebody else first speaks up to proclaim God. Well, guess what? With these uh, apostles and the disciples that God had and what Jesus was doing, it was out there in the open. John the Baptist had caused a nationwide, nationwide stir with his preaching. I mean, just the sight of this man in, clothed in camel hair, right? And eating locust. He must have had quite a smell about him, I'm thinking. I don't know. I know that they didn't take baths as frequently. I would, God knows that I would never have made it around the first century. I've got to have my shower. I've got to have my shower. I don't mind getting dirty, but I get clean too. But John the Baptist had caused a nationwide stir with his preaching. Thousands had flocked to him and had been baptized in the Jordan. And then we see that he was arrested by Herod. 
and ultimately beheaded. His murder was well known. The burden of John's preaching had been that of another one. Another one's coming. That's what he was saying. He was pointing those to Christ. There's someone coming. And as a matter of fact, he's so great that I'm not even worthy to untie his shoes. Messiah was formally announced to the nation by John. And then for three and a half years, this Messiah walked the length and the breadth of the land. He was the word of God. He was the word of God in an undiluted form. He spoke with authority, not as the scribes. I mean, he said the same words as many other people, but there was some power behind them. There was something different about this man. He set forth and established principles for holy living with his servant on the mount. He spoke truth in a vivid and in an unforgettable way. And then this Messiah, this Jesus, fiercely denounced those for rejecting him. And he boldly claimed to be the son of God. One of the passages you can find is in John chapter 10, verse 36, where it says, Say ye of him whom the Father has sanctified and sent into the world, thou blasphemest, because I said, I am the Son of God. He didn't mince words. He didn't hide who he was. Peter goes on, verse 38, he says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and hearing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Again, I'm reminded, as a child of God, I should go about doing good. I should go about doing good. Show people my good works. Take the opportunity to encourage someone. You know, perhaps it's buying a meal for someone that's homeless. Well, you know what? They're probably the fault for themselves being in that position. You know, but for the grace of God, there go I. I think we need to have a heavenly mindset. It was not only that Jesus had declared that had proved him to be greater than any other man that had walked on the face of the earth, but he was anointed by the Holy Spirit. He was unique. He was God. And it was what he had done. He went about doing good. Went about doing good. What an epitaph. An epitaph is a phrase or a group of words written in memory of a person who has died. Well, guess what? Jesus had died. But he was different. He had risen from the grave. But Peter's telling these guys, and he's talking to them. And now we're here on the outside, and we're kind of sitting and listening as Peter's going through these sayings. And he's telling them about the Christ. He's pointing them to Christ. He talked about how that wherever he went in his wake, there were mighty miracles which demonstrated his deity. You're like me. You like to take and If you see a body of water, you immediately begin to look for a rock because I want to throw a rock. Well, now I can't throw it as far. <laughs> but I throw it into the water because I like to see the splash. But it's amazing because after you see the splash, then you see these little ripple effects from that. And that's why it was with Jesus performing these miracles and the ripple effect that it had. The miracle may not have been performed directly upon that, that individual person, but it definitely had effect in their life. 
These were not tricks. They were not something produced by a demonic power. Simply, these were impossible events that only he could do. And again, Peter's telling Cornelius and these Gentiles of this. He's reminding them of them. I can just imagine them sitting there hanging on every word. As a child, I had uh, two grandfathers, like most people. One grandfather was quiet, just a great loving man. The other one is a great storyteller. It's interesting to note that on both of them, they told me stories that as a, as a young adult, I go, oh, come on, that's not true. <laughs> I remember my one grandfather, my dad's side, he, he didn't drive. As a matter of fact, when I was going to junior college, I'd, get on, I'd be on the city bus and I'd look over, and there he was, or he'd get on. He would be at the store getting seeds for his garden and what have you, and I'd say, come on, Pop, sit over here, and he'd sit down. I, but he didn't drive. I said, why don't you drive? My legs are too long. What do you do? You go, oh, okay. You believe that. I was a young adult, and I went, you know, you're just thinking, and you go, I thought it, and I went, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't think that's accurate. The other one was just a great storyteller, a great storyteller. He'd tell us those stories, and I think I was a bit younger when I realized they were not all true stories, but they were great to listen to. But I can imagine as Peter's talking about Christ and pointing these Gentiles to Christ, they're just sitting there and they're hanging on every word. My goodness. The fame of all these things has reached all the corners of the land. So Peter was talking about the living word. And as John put it, was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John 1, 14. Well, in verse 39, it says, And we are witnesses of all these things, which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. He's saying that my faith, what I'm telling you, doesn't rely upon fable. It's not something I've just heard. He said, I've seen it. I've witnessed it. And it's fully authenticated by the witnesses of all these 11 men that we have with the apostles. Spent three and a half years. They saw it. They could testify it to it. They went where he went. They lived where he lived. Can you imagine for three and a half years spending every moment with Christ? You know, child of God, we have that same ability today with the Holy Spirit to spend every moment in a time of true fellowship with him. Well, the apostles were three and a half years with Jesus. They all, they lived out of a, the saying is out of a common bag. In other words, what they had, they brought along with them. That's all they had. That's all they had. They saw all that he did. They heard what he said. They were witnesses of his conduct, of his conversation and character. Day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out, for three and one half years. So these were very credible witnesses. By the same token, if you're spending time with God through prayer and his word, we can be a credible witness to the world around us. Consider these men. John was young, uh, the apostles, impressionable. Peter, we look at as probably a hard-working fisherman. 
Simon Zealots was, as one writer put it, from the fiery, fiery ranks of the Zealots whose political aspirations aimed at the emancipation of the country from Rome. I mean, they all came from different walks, different backgrounds. Nathaniel and Thomas were inclined to be skeptics. That's kind of like me. I'm a skeptic by nature. Matthew had been a businessman. was paid by Rome. And uh, to many in this country, he was a traitor. Andrew had a pleasing disposition. Just liked to be around him. Just a nice guy. He kind of lights up a room. Philip had been described as calculating. That's another thing of me. And James was another businessman. He said, we are witnesses of all these things, Peter assured Cornelius. They had witnessed the reality of Christ. All the wonderful stories about him in the Gospels were true. His sayings as recorded in the Gospels were genuine. All three dozen miracles later recorded in the gospel and the countless other combination together are true. Book of John ends up all the things that he did could not be contained in books. But they were there testifying and they were saying we were witnesses to this. Peter had been there. Peter had been there when he, Jesus turned the water to wine. Peter was there when Jesus was walking on the water. As a matter of fact, Lord, can I get out there? Come on. And he walked on the water with him. He had raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. He had cleansed lepers and he cast out demons. Peter had witnessed all those things. There's something reassuring in Peter's statement when he says, We are witnesses. We are witnesses. If he'd been telling lies, there was a whole generation that would have been able to say, no, no, that's not true. That's not true. Remember, all we have to do is go back to the first chapter in the book of Acts. And Jesus talks about appearing to so many people. Why? To provide many infallible proofs. And that's what Peter's doing. He's rehearsing these things with the Gentiles. And he goes on, of all the things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. My goodness. And in verse 39, the last part of it says, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. And here Peter's indicting the, the Jewish people for the crucifixion of Christ. But guess what? The Romans were involved as well. It was well known that the Jews killed people. How did the Jews kill people? They must have great arms. Stoning. They would stone people. What an awful way to die. But how much more horrible dying on the cross. So while Peter was blaming the Jews, he brought in the Gentiles for a share of the guilt and the murder of this innocent man, the son of the living God. Remember Pontius Pilate said, I find no fault in this man. I find no fault, no fault in this man. And yet he went ahead and signed his death warrant. The chosen witnesses had seen the death of Christ. Peter had been present at one of the mock trials. John had been present almost to the very end. When he's dying on the cross, 
You had Jesus look down when Jesus therefore saw his mother and disciples standing by whom he loved. He saith unto his mother, woman, behold your son. John chapter 19. Jesus died on a Roman cross. That's a historical fact. Verse 40 says, Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before God, even to us, who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. After he rose from the dead. Peter came now to the greatest fact of all. That's the resurrection. You know what? If you serve a God this morning that was not resurrected, then you serve a God like many people serve. But if you serve the God that had was resurrected, then you serve the true and the living God. And this is what Peter has gotten to this point. This was the keynote of his preaching. This should be the keynote of our preaching. This is what sets Christianity apart from any other religion. Folk, we have hope. We have hope. We don't preach a religion of rituals and rules. We preach a living Christ. Christianity does not say come and keep these commandments or observe these ordinances or perform these penances. Christianity says come, meet the Christ. Meet the Christ. The resurrection of Christ, like everything else about him, was public knowledge in the country. The empty tomb was a fact. They could go, there's where he was. There's where he was. I saw him, put him in there. He's not there now. He's not there now. The religious leaders of that day and the political leaders of Rome could not explain that away. Many infallible proofs. The resurrection appearance of Christ was not made to everyone, but they were numerous enough and diverse enough to convince any open-minded person that this truly had happened. And certainly these Gentiles had heard these stories. And now they've got somebody that was a, saw it with his own eyes. One time, one occasion, Jesus was seen by more than 500 people. And back to Acts chapter 1, 3. Showed himself alive after many infallible proofs. These witnesses, God chose these witnesses, by the way. He chose these witnesses. Here, several months ago, I was chosen to be a juror at a trial. I got selected, so I sat as a jury. I was a witness to the evidence of that trial. Similarly, God chose these men and those that he showed himself to, to be witnesses, to be witnesses, to, to prove that Jesus was alive. I want to wrap this up here, kind of conclude. I'm going to ask you to go ahead and bow your heads, close your eyes. As I say with any of the times I speak or anyone speaks, preachers or teaches, we need to answer the question, so what, what does this mean to me? God, what are you trying to talk to me about? What is it that I can draw from this, that I can take away from this to be an encouragement to go into this week and do something differently or perhaps uh, you're directing me in a certain way? 
One thing I come back to in this message is Peter said, we are witnesses of all the things which he did. I submit that if you know Jesus Christ, your personal Savior here this morning, guess what? You're a witness too. You're a witness too. You're a witness of what he has done in your life. You know, you receive for, for by grace you saved through faith in that none of yourselves the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But each of us have a particular story of how we came to Christ. And in that, you're witnesses in your life to what he has done in your life. You were once lost, but now you're found. You once were on a paved highway to hell, but since then you've drunk freely from that cup of eternal life, the water that causes you now to never thirst. Folks, we're witnesses. We're witnesses to this Christ. It's interesting to note we are Gentiles. We are Gentiles. God would have us be a witness and testimony of the things he's done in our life. My question to you, child of God, is what kind of witness are you? What kind of witness are you? Do you freely share with others that Christ died for all men? Why would we want to keep this news from any man? Certainly, I can remember I was probably, I don't know, 10 years old maybe, and a house two doors down from us caught on fire. I didn't know what to do. I'd never seen a house on fire. And I went to my dad, Dad, there's a house. Immediately he goes in, calls the fire department, and started responding because there were people that were in need in that house. We need to get them out. And we certainly would never stop if we saw some, or, or, or not do anything, if we did not see someone, if we saw someone that was in need, we would try to meet that need. So why would we keep this news of Christ from any man? Because we are witnesses, folks, of all the things which he did. Father, I ask that you have your will and way as we take just a couple of moments of invitation. Thank you for your son that died for us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.